to the Learning 3.0 podcast. I'm Rustika Lamb from Bloom, and in each episode, I chat to learning and technology thought leaders and how to support business performance through people performance. Today, I welcome Chris Buttonham to the Learning 3.0 podcast. Chris is a young entrepreneur living in Silicon Valley and is the co-founder of Obi.ai, which helps companies find a faster way to capture and find knowledge at work. He is also the co-host and producer of the Accelerating Support podcast. He interviews thought leaders in ITSM, HR, and customer support, and their stories on accelerating support teams. Here's some very interesting insights into how to deliver the right knowledge to the right people at the right time in this new world. While not strictly an LMS, it is a great ed tech which supports performance in the flow of work. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So Chris, welcome to the Learning 3.0 podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's awesome. And just prior to coming on, you were saying that you're actually in San Francisco and it's pretty quiet there in the city. It is. It's like a whole new world here. It's like a ghost town compared to what it was you know, pre-March. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Obi, gosh, you and I have been chit-chatting about Obi and I've been testing it and showing it to the, you know, the old client for a good couple of years now. And it seems like you've really got some traction sort of going with Obi. And um, do you call it Obi.ai? What do you call it? <laughs> you caught it. Yeah, we've <laughs> recently sort of dropped the AI and they're just going by Obi now. You are. Okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I sent you a photo, uh, pretend, well, someone who's actually said, yes, we're going to use Obi here in New Zealand, the childcare centre have because showed you that, that cute beaver that yeah. they got and they've got mugs made and placemat made because the, the icon is so cute, right? <laughs> yeah, if we've done anything right in the last five years, it's created a really nice character logo. Yeah, exactly. Now, given that the topic of this series, so essentially what we do is, you know, six speakers on same six questions to a theme, and this is sort of our second theme, which is, is the LMS dead? And because people may not know what OB is, and it's not an LMS, do you want to just sort of give us a quick update about what it is that OB does? Sure, yeah. So OB helps organizations find and capture knowledge faster at work. And I think one of the reasons you and I are talking right now is sort of our genesis, where that came from. So we very much were closer to an LMS. We've never been an LMS, but historically we were playing in this space. And so we really are looking at uh, OB and our product from the lens of how do we make knowledge universally more accessible and more useful across organizations? And I think LMS has tried to solve this problem for decades. And, mm-hmm. um, like and we're coming years. at it from a bit. Yeah. <laughs> About uh, the time you were uh, born. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so we're coming at it from a bit of a different angle, particularly from some of the things we learned trying to play in that space previously. Mm, interesting. And you were saying that you also have a podcast you've had going this year called Accelerating Support, which that word, and we'll put that in the show notes too for everyone who's listening, that word accelerating, as I've been interviewing people over the last couple of months, is totally a word that keeps coming up. And when you think about learning management systems, acceleration is not really a word you think about in connection with that's that. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, that's actually, um, it's interesting you say that. We we're sort of toying around with the idea that OB is with other vendors creating a new category around accelerating not only support, but accelerating work. And the way we are sort of looking at this is differentiating between something that sort of is supplementary to your work. So we look at, let's say, a tool like Trello or Asana. 
it's not going to accelerate your work. It's just going to make it more organized, maybe easier to do. But mm-hmm. a tool like Obi or a tool like Troops or a tool like DocSend, these tools are actually accelerating, in a lot of cases, automating some of the low-level tasks yes. that humans don't need to do. And so we're really excited about the future of accelerating work. Mm, absolutely. So in your experience, and given that you, know, you started off with OB and you sort of started playing in the LMS space, like historically, what have you seen with the, sort of that whole LMS space? Yeah, so wow, we could talk a whole podcast on this. <laughs> um, so, you know, when we first started this company, we actually were trying to solve employee onboarding specifically. And of course, that is where we bled into the HR, L&D type use cases. And so we built functionality around that. And what we were trying to solve for is to get rid of the old module style e-learning type mechanisms to transferring this new knowledge to new employees. And we were really fortunate early on. I just met an uh, an amazing mentor and he's been a, an advisor to the company called Amar Dhaliwal and he he's been in the learning and development space for literally decades he started and sold a company to Saba back in I don't know yeah. probably 20 years ago um, and <laughs> yep. he's been playing in this space and so in part he was one of the the driving factors taking us away from the L&D space. Mm. Um, that and, of course, we recognized how difficult it was to, to sell a solution like. into these departments. <laughs> and people did, really didn't want to do the, the traditional corporate learning, even if it is wrapped up in a nice, pretty bow. Yeah. Um, and so that's sort of the genesis of what we've seen is, is just trying to break through that traditional e-learning module course type mm. learning. Mm. And it's very interesting. I know that one of the sort of later, more recent LMSs on the market, Loop, is very much about resource-focused, not courses. And there's that mm-hmm. whole conversation around course versus resource. And and I think it's just about that mindset, as you say. It's like accelerating work, making sure you've got the information as you need it at work. And there's, right. I think COVID has actually sped that up because no one's, you know, yes. when, when lockdowns happen, certainly here in New Zealand, it was two days, no one went into the LMS to do courses. And because they didn't have a solution in place already that just delivered information in the flow of work, they were doing classroom training. So it went right back because that was the only solution they could think about that they had. So so yeah, it has been a bit of a, a journey, I think, along that way in terms of course versus resource. Yep. And it's interesting. I've been doing some work at the moment with the company and we did a design day and we went down the resource instead of one module which they thought they wanted we did 13 resources that they can access in their pocket hmm. and then they, but their previous work had been courses and how beautiful you know there's a person they've gone through a day and it was interactive and it was a course and it took 15 minutes and then you put the two side by side and it's like the resources are quite boring in comparison but then the purpose yeah. on how you use it's different right so and so, the yeah. delivery mechanism right so i think the way yes. we think about it is Learning management systems, at least historically, have been something that you had to do. It was typically outside of the context of when you needed it. It's not necessarily just in time as much as you say that those words over and over again. And what we think about it is, you know, whether it is a module, like you said, I'm sure there are lots of beautiful sort of courses or those types of formats of information that if you delivered in the right context in the right time, it would be 
more digestible. And I think that the challenge there is how do you get it into that context? How do you make it more accessible? And so that's sort of the piece that we've been focusing a lot on. And I think that's it, because at the end of the day, there's still a knowledge piece, there's still an education piece or an, an corporate speaker training piece that, you know, people need to know where are the exits or what's the compliance, you know, how do we do things around here? That's education, but doing their work, and they're two different things. So Exactly. And therefore, exactly. you know, we think about, well, what does an LMS do well? Maybe it's just that education piece, but people have forgotten. For, for compliance, this. for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then people are now trying to like force the LMS to do this in the flow of work piece. And actually exactly. It's a different delivery for a different reason. So, which is, and you're focusing more on that delivery in the flow. Exactly. And that's actually a really interesting point you made because when we were making the pivot from sort of an employee onboarding solution where we did some of these LMS components through platforms like Slack, and that was our sort of our delivery mechanism, we were afraid as we were pulling away from that, trying to go back to our roots in sort of knowledge discovery, that we would be fighting in sales processes about oh, well, do you integrate with an LMS? How does this play well with my LMS? But actually, the more we've moved away from that, the less we even talk about L&D now, which is ironic because the two are simpatico in a way that the two departments definitely should be communicating, that the functions are similar in nature, but it seems like some organizations are growing up to the fact that maybe that L&D piece is more on the compliance end and knowledge discovery is a problem in and itself. And then there's, of course, overlap, but the tools don't necessarily need to be as intertwined as they think they do. Mm. And I think that's where this talk of ecosystems is coming around. Get, you know, Mm -hmm. let your strategy drive the tech. And it might be you might have three or four best of breeds, but it's because it's driven by a strategy that says we use the LMS for compliance and we use this for in in the flow of work. And so then it becomes best of breed rather than these behemoths, LMSs of old, all the bells and whistles that became really hard to use. So I think that ecosystem is going to come more to the fore. Absolutely. Okay, that's really interesting. So we've talked about acceleration and basically sort of maybe having a bit of a chat around how the pandemics affected the world of sort of ed tech LMS generally. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I am sure that from a compliance standpoint, it's done wonders for (laughs) L&D tools. For us, you know, again, sort of not playing in that space anymore. So from a knowledge management side, we have definitely seen an uptick. We've seen an uptick in user engagement, particularly as companies were doing the immediate shift. Mm. But that was definitely a bubble in and itself. And it's one of those things when a lot of um, really amazing companies are having to cut 25, 50% of their workforce. They have to look internally and say, even if this tool is essential, we need mm-hmm. to cut spending. So we had some of that, I think that just like a lot of companies have. And then we had some of, hey, we need a knowledge management solution now because no longer can we shoulder tap each other when we need these resources, like you said, when we have these questions that the knowledge base can answer. And so um, I think it's a net positive for us. I think it's a net positive for l and I think it's going to accelerate the the understanding that there are shortcomings in the traditional L&D tools, right? Mm -hmm. So people are maybe that aren't as progressive when it comes to technology in the modern 
workspace are going to look at the more traditional tools like learning development or learning and management systems and say, this is what we need. And then they're going to realize, okay, maybe we need to split this out. Maybe this is good for this component. Maybe we need a knowledge solution for this component. So I think it's going to accelerate, which is good. It's good for all of us. And, you know, I love the whole learning 3.0 branding here. So I think it's going to accelerate us closer to learning 3.0. Yeah, exactly. And I was just being cheeky. I, I actually just said, well, there's Web 1.0 and Web 2.0 and Web 3.0, and I'm just going to align with <laughs> Web 3.0, and I'm just going to call it, I yeah. just make up names. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, dear. And it's like, you know, there are ideas where time has come. I think it's just an idea that time has come. So talking about knowledge management, knowledge management, I remember, because I'm old enough to remember, it used to be really big back in the sort of the mid-2000s, that knowledge management piece. And I was talking to Bob Mosher the other day, and he talked about is it EPSS. That's not a term we're familiar with, which is just basically collateral that actually supports people at work. So, But it was sort of more paper-based than actual digital. Do you think this is more of a knowledge management theme that's coming back from a learning point of view? Or do you think it's that's not really about knowledge management? It's more actually that support in the flow of work. Or is there even a difference? It might be the same thing. Thinking about it from Obi's point of view, like it, and you might want to sort of explain a little bit more about you know what that does, because it seems that you're taking knowledge from many different parts of the organization. Mm-hmm. So you're taking it from the intranet and from box or and then delivering it into Slack, for example. So that to me feels like knowledge management. Definitely, yeah. Being delivered digitally versus like education. Do you know what I mean? It's like... Agreed, yeah. mm. Yeah, so the way we look at it is there's sort of pull and push. Mm -hmm. So maybe it would be useful just to explain a little bit more about OB. So when I say we, we enable organizations to find and capture knowledge faster at work, the way we do that is by first connecting to the existing sources of knowledge that an organization might have. Mm. So that's one of the really unique parts about OB is that Traditionally, whether it's a learning system or whether it's a knowledge system, the vendors want you to put your information into their system. They want to be the source of record. We are unbiased to the source of record because we recognize that organizations have many tools, many desires to author information in different formats in different places. And so we connect to that information uniquely and then intelligently deliver it inside of the workspaces people already spend their time. So the reason for that is obviously this the workplace has shifted and people's focus is now in the modern work OS like Slack or Microsoft Teams or people are spending their time in the browser. So we think a lot about how do we take that information and deliver it with the least amount of habitual change possible. And the way we look at it from a product perspective, going back to my pull versus push analogy is pulling is... I'm doing something, or I'm working on something, and I need this thing now. So I go to OB and I say, hey, how do I connect to the VPN? Or where is my sales playbook from Q3? Mm. And OB brings that to me. I'm pulling information in. Push is something that we've, I believe we still haven't cracked the code on it. So we have a feature called Flows. And that's our answer to push. So the way we look at push is sometimes you need structure around that knowledge. Mm. And that's our vision for the future of learning and development. We see 
it not necessarily needing to be a course or a module. Maybe it is, but rather structuring different resources or different answers or different pieces of knowledge. And again, delivering that where people work. So that's what our flows feature does is it, it's been heavily used for employee onboarding. And it's just to structure the, the information that one would need when they start. And so we like to think that most of the time it's a pull user experience. Most mm-hmm. of the time people are, they want to have the control. They want to access those resources. Mm-hmm. Um, but those instances like onboarding or enablement or compliance, like mm-hmm. we said, and that's sort of how we think about that. Yeah, I really like your flow feature. It is that, you know, schedule it out and deliver it to where they are is awesome. And I mean, mm-hmm. you think about, in, you know, two days to lockdown, if, organizations that had that functionality they could have quickly done a a flow right in two days time you're going to need to vpn from home here's the vpn quick reference guide right now you're at home you've been home a week have you got your desk set up here's the ergonomics whatever you know so it could have been delivered to where they're already being right so just exactly fantastic use case of that and again as you say from an onboarding point of view have you you know, it's day three, have you gone spoken to X, Y, Z up on level three or whatever it might be? You know, it just... Exactly. There they are. You made an um, interesting point about their behaviour, delivering it where there's the least amount of habitual change as possible. And I was yes. talking to Nelson from How Now, which is a very innovative, and I don't even call it an LMS, I call it an intelligent learning platform. And he talked about the same thing, delivering content where behaviourally people already are. And it's like that whole thing in your business or startup, you want to go to where people's eyes are or where their attention already is. And it's taking that behavioral sort of focus into where you deliver the content because an LMS delivers it over here, right? It's like they're they're not going to go there. They're not going to be through every day. So yeah, I think there's a, a massive tech change coming there. You're one of the very few ed techs that I've seen with a Chrome extension. Do you want us to talk a bit more about that? I think that's just a very cool thing you've done. Yeah, for sure. So this sort of, again, doubles down on the way we look at solving this problem. So we take the existing knowledge. So we've got over 16 out-of-the-box integrations, Google Drive, Confluence, Box, Dropbox, you know, the places where your knowledge lives today. And then we have our own authoring tools. OBFAQs, our native knowledge base to capture knowledge when you need to. But then when we think of delivering this information and making it more accessible, again, to the habitual point, people are in Slack. That's where a lot of questions are asked. So it's natural that there would be a mechanism to deliver that information when and where those questions are asked. Uh, And what we recognized is we became more popular with different use cases, particularly client-facing use cases within the organization. So sales and support, they're spending their time in the browser. And Mm -hmm. if you um, interface with our product, we actually don't have a search feature in our web platform. Our web platform is very much administrative creating content, viewing analytics, setting up integrations. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And Mm. so we want to bring that information, make it more accessible with the least amount of noise. So our browser extension is really cool. You can just hit Command-Shift-O or just hit the little OB icon in your browser. And me as a sales rep, when I get an email from a customer asking what your pricing is or what are your support SLAs or you know, what kind of different packages do you have, I can just quickly enter a few keywords or, or use natural language and pull that information up without having to go to another app. So I'm in my CRM and I can still access OB without having to change any of my workflow. 
Yeah, that's excellent. Very good. I've said with this podcast, because I actually just backtracking how I got to the topic, I had a bit of flack from some people saying, oh, no, that topic's old hat. And, you know, and also, the, so there was, I was sitting there and I'm thinking, okay. And then people love product showcases and what's new and cool out there in the world. And I thought, actually, let's just go out and see on LinkedIn and see if people do want, is the LMS dead? And over 50% said yes. And I thought, well, why not combine it into sort of a conversation around LMS, EdTech, but also product yeah. showcase as well. So just a bit of a, a backstory about how we got here yeah. and why we're talking about the product as a tool. I hadn't thought that it was actually more of a background. can't remember where I was going with that. Anyway, <laughs> no problem. next question. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I don't just love live, unedited podcasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, what do you think is coming next? Like, you know, think about roadmaps and, and educational tech and learning in the flow of work versus going to somewhere like an LMS. So what do you think is coming next? There's so many different ways that companies and vendors are cutting this cloth. I think it feels like every facet of this problem has been tried, you know, from the intranet to the standard LMS to the mobile first e-learning and all the rest of it. The way we look at it and where we see the future of work is the future of work is just more contextual. So it might sound obvious now that I've teased the way our thesis is around our product, but the modern workspace is going to be continuously evolving. Today, it's people that spend a lot of time in Slack. That's where a lot of questions are asked. But tomorrow, it might not be. Mm. And so the way we look at it is, how do we make company knowledge universally accessible wherever people are? Mm. Um, and so I think the future is just where people move to. I yeah. think that the whole browser extension market is really interesting particularly from a technological perspective. We just have, when you develop a browser extension, you have a lot of control over the browser to manipulate the user experience into something that people aren't used to. And that's a good thing, like being able to suggest resources and articles and answers, you know, automatically when Mm. we're reading an issue or a question on the screen, things like that. So that's really bringing information in the flow of work. That's yeah. really delivering learning in the flow of work. And I think that learning and development vertical has been talking about that for a long time. Like the flow of work being bringing modules on your phone. That's not the flow of work. No. <laughs> That's not the flow of work. People don't want to do that. What people want is the right information at the right time mm. um, in the right place. And mm. so technology is allowing us to do that in ways that simply wasn't possible before. So it's no knock on, you know, any of the historical technology. It's it's really now this stuff is possible. OB wasn't possible six years ago. The modern APIs for these knowledge tools didn't exist to allow us to do mm. the intelligent searching we're doing on the fly mm. uh, that we are doing. So I think the future of work, the future of learning, the future of accessing knowledge is contextual. So where people are, we want to bring that information to them. Yeah. And you think about L&D teams currently, and I'm writing a book at the moment on how to create a learning 3.0 ecosystem. And one of them is the tech stack, obviously, um, and what the future looks like. But the other is actually around teams. And there has been some talk of teams. You know, I know some teams have set themselves up, you know, we've got a journalist and we've got a physics major and they've got or a data scientist, they're sort of making these teams like this. But in talking to you and a couple of other, you know, founders of learning edtech companies, this is a sort of skill and knowledge we need in development teams because, as you say, it's like you understand learning, 
And where the tech's at, so six, as you say, six years ago, the tech wasn't there to be able to do this. Now it can, you know. So, yes. you know, to Napoleon Hill's point, if you can think about it, just make, go make it somehow. So, um, yeah. And, and I think what's interesting too is at least today, there's still limitations in the technology, of course. One of the things that the technology or any tool, OB included, can't solve for you is building a culture around knowledge management or building a culture around learning and curiosity. And I think that's what's really interesting. And there's still a lot of green space on how do we educate organizations of all shapes and sizes that this is an important thing that needs to be embedded into organizations from day one. You need to teach people that documentation first or whatever method or mode that is most consumable for you and your team. Because the way we look at it is that's different. We've looked at thousands of organizations. They all use different things to author their knowledge. And it's really subjective. There's not really one way to write the perfect internal policy or, Mm. or learning module or FAQ I think that there's some things we're learning that are horizontal and ubiquitous and that can help the consumption, the the deliverability of this knowledge. But the one thing tools can't do and probably will never be able to do is embed that into company culture. It mm. needs to be from the top down. This is how we operate. We need to be sharing our knowledge. It needs to be collectively accessible. And to you, I love that quote, and I'll probably use it when we promote this: <laughs> right information mm-hmm. at the right time, at the right place. You know, if it's yeah. if it's if it's hard to find, it's not in the right place, right? Yeah. So, just as a bit of a side question: um, Slack versus Teams. It appears that a lot of small, medium businesses and startups will be using Slack, and it seems like more organisations and larger businesses are using Microsoft Teams. Is that sort of a general assumption? That is true. So Slack is definitely going up market. Mm -hmm. So we get asked all the time, why aren't we on Microsoft Teams? I've asked you the question. (laughs) You have asked us that question. Our investors ask us that question. (laughs) The truth of the matter is we're a lean team and the Microsoft ecosystem is an ecosystem and we're not knocking that opportunity. I think that there's a lot of great organizations that are using Teams. We've been watching Teams from inception. We actually played around with the early versions of Teams before it was even in public Mm -hmm. accessibility. But the truth is, particularly around the way our product works, not only do we have to integrate with Teams, we have to integrate with the whole 365 suite. And to your point, Teams is upmarket. It's definitely, by and large, there's obviously anomalies, uh, by and large enterprise customers. Mm -hmm. And today we deal, our customers are more mid-market SMB. We actually don't have a lot of startups as customers, mm-hmm. more than the mid-market. Um, and that tends to lean towards Slack. But we're excited to tackle that opportunity when we have a little bit more understanding that market and a little bit more bandwidth to be able to support those two ecosystems because they really are two different animals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. So I guess final question, uh, the big one, do you think the LMS is dead? God, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's my opinion in the matter. You know, I think that we keep trying to resurrect the LMS. And uh, I think we just need a whole different vehicle on learning things and accessing things and knowledge at work. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. So um, if people are interested there, your browser extension has a free trial. 
There's actually a completely free version on our brand new. So the browser, yeah, OB for personal use is brand new. So we had historically just been built for teams and organizations. And then when we launched the browser extension, we decided, hey, this is a, a cool way to introduce sort of a single player mode. And this, not to go on a tangent, but this actually is indicative of our more of our thesis around the future of work where we'd like to not only democratize knowledge within organizations, but ideally tooling should be democratized. And so I think we're going to see that particularly with companies going more distributed because of this pandemic. They're going to be having giving employees stipends and more freedom to be able to access their own tooling. And what's cool about our personal use product is you can basically get the same value you would if your organization adopted OB just in the view of all of the knowledge that you have connected. So it's, it's less of sort of an org-wide overarching knowledge tool and more for you'd connect your Google Drive, your documents. You could create your own little FAQs for the things that you need most often in the flow of your work. And so, yeah, there's a free tier there. And I also have, uh, if you want to try out the personal pro, you can use coupon code GETSTARTED5 for a free month on personal pro, which basically just unlocks unlimited search queries. Okay, so that's great. So get started five, um, and that's for the personal pro plan. And yes. the browser extension is just look up Chrome extensions. So ob.ai slash personal. Great. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. And thinking about that, I mean, and the personal plan, I mean, that's really like creating your own personal learning plan, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I love yes. that. Particularly the UK, they talk a lot about PLNs, personal learning networks. Um, mm. So you could actually create your own personal learning network or ecosystem. As you say, that you can then access. I mean, I know that one of my favorite platforms, NW Link, has just got, if I want to show people who are learning learning design, that's just the go-to site. I had it in one place. I wouldn't have to go and search it every time because it's what I've been doing for years. So yeah, I'll give that a test out. Exactly, um, yep. And then we'll put your accelerating support. What do you talk about on that, on your podcast? So we talk to either sort of leaders in internal support. So, you know, directors of IT, senior IT managers, or directors of customer support, senior customer support and managers about the tools, the processes, the trends that they think about when it comes to supporting the people that support the people. So whether it's internally, for you know, general inquiries, like we said, people trying to get access to the VPN or figure out how to mm-hmm. get a new monitor or on a lot of the onboarding tasks and things like that. Or you know, how do we enable support agents with easier access to product documentation? We had a really interesting conversation with Matthew Karn of OpenTable recently, and he just blew our mind from a leadership perspective on what it's like to build an amazing support culture. So we talk about all kinds of things in the sort of accelerating work, accelerating support realm. That's excellent. So I will um, pop that in the show notes. And then you're very responsive on LinkedIn, I must say. So if people want to contact you directly, they can message you on LinkedIn. That'll be good. Yes. Any other ways they can contact you? Uh, OB.ai slash personal um, is a cool way to check out the product. Yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful for you having me on. And I had a real good time chatting with you. Yeah, it was great. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And hopefully one day we'll meet in person when we can fly again. (laughs) Thanks so much, Chris. Bye. If you'd like to get in touch with me to suggest topics or speakers, you can contact me on LinkedIn or Facebook or find the links in the show notes below. Keep on smiling. Smiling.